1: okay this morning we got a great service planned for you but first why don't you stand up on your feet let's find somebody and tell them good morning
2: Morning. Happy end of spring break to those of you who actually had a spring. How many of you actually had a spring break? You like, you were like, I have nothing to do except go freeze in Florida. How many of you went to Florida and you couldn't go to the beach because it was too cold? Awesome. Oh, hey, I spent. Some of you saw I spent the entire spring break on my boat, and it was awesome because I stripped the whole thing, and now I've just got a big wooden deck, and we're. We're thinking we're going to leave it because it's taken us all week to get there, so um, yeah, it was fun. It's a big wide open space. A lot of people on it now. Um, Hope you had, if you had spring break, hope you had a great spring break. Welcome back. If you were adulting like the rest of us, it's just another week that we get angry at people who go to Florida and uh, (laughs) and that's just what it is. So it is good to see you this morning and uh, obviously I'm not Mark and did somebody clap? Because that would have been really awesome. I don't know. Um, thank you. Here, here, Okay, listen. Here's what I heard this morning. Oh, you're preaching. Oh, we're getting out early. Woo! <laughs> it's good to know that I have an impact on people. That's, uh, that's my goal. And uh, go ahead and make those lunch plans because you're getting out early. Um, but thanks for spending some time with us this morning. Uh, I'm excited to share a couple of thoughts with you. Uh, we're going to worship together. Uh, got a couple announcements. If you have your worship guide if you'll kind of pull that out. There's actually a lot of things going on. Spring break for me uh, and for a lot of us who work with students, it's kind of student ministry wise from end of January till spring break, we kind of take a breather. We're just kind of like, oh. and then spring break hits and it gets crazy again. So uh, Mark Dubos and I, um, you will probably see us. Uh, like stressed out and running around like crazy the next several months we get ready for um, another great summer. But uh, we got a lot of things that are happening uh, around the church that are coming out. want to remind you of a few things. Um, if you have some 12 count egg cartons, uh, if you can let Alicia know, right? Is that who knew to tell? Bring them to the table in the lobby. They're getting ready for uh, their Palm Sunday activities. Uh, so kind of take note of that. I also have a Mother's Day Out garage sale going to be taking place on April the 8th and so uh, if you have some things that you want to get rid of to help support our Mother's Day Out program, uh, that's what's happening down this hallway, all the stuff in there. So you can drop it off here at the church and then you can come and buy it back from us and bring it back to your house on the 8th. Um, We have a women's uh, event coming up in April, also our men's uh, hangout coming up in April. Uh, and Larry asked me to remind you, if, uh, if you're part of our security ministry or want to be, there's going to be a short meeting after worship this morning in the library. And so, uh, about ten minutes, Larry? Uh, about ten minutes in the library. And so, if you can go, if you weren't here last week for that meeting, go. Uh, just some things Larry wants to touch base with everyone on. So, that being said, uh, if our ushers will come forward as we get ready to take our offering this morning. And I uh, want to remind you guys, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you came to spend some time with us. Uh, and this is the part of the service that we ask you not to participate in. We don't want you distracted by money. Uh, but this is uh, part of our worship together as a church. And so I want to pray for us, and uh, we'll, we'll get rolling this morning. Let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for the chance we had just to spend some time together this morning. And God, you know what we walked in here with. And some of us have had great weeks Others have had kind of so-so weeks, and God, some of us have just had some really bad week. And God, I pray for a few moments, no matter what we're walking in here with, that, God, we can slow down our hearts and our minds and just be reminded of who you are. As we worship together, may you encourage us. May we be reminded of your great love for us. God, as we open up your word for a few moments, God, may you just speak to us. And guys, we celebrate through the giving of our offering this morning, I pray that you would take this continue to use it. As we continue to reach out in our own community, to build disciples, and to reach out across the world. God, we love you and we give you this time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay and through your faith God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see
0: A sin.
1: God, we stand in awe, we stand in awe of your grace, we stand in awe of your beauty and your wonder.
2: God, that you would, uh,
1: that you would just speak and creation would happen. God, the, the power, the, the authority that's in, your, that's in your name, that's in your voice, God, that you didn't even have to use your hands, you just speak and things happen. God, we're blown away. We're blown away as we stand in your presence that, that you call us your kids. God, I ask Lord, that you would uh, just speak to us as uh, Jeff opens the word this morning, God, that our hearts will be open to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: You guys may have a seat. We not dismiss kids to uh, GPS, so if you guys are heading there, you can head there. Um, I'm excited to get a chance to share. Um, normally, the audience that I look at every week is uh, 18 and under, and um, there's usually a spill that happens that's part of the night, and that's how we know it's really second wind. And so if you want to spill your coffee on the floor, go for it. Maybe a little more difficult with carpet. Um, we, we just started a brand new series on Wednesday nights um, called Can I Really Ask That? And, and the whole premise of the series is, is can I really ask that question? Is it okay? Am I going to get smited down if I ask it? And so we started the whole series with looking at is it okay to ask questions of God? Is it okay to question God? I I grew up with like a lot of you did, saying that, well, you can't ever ask God anything. You just He's God and you just be quiet and do what you're supposed to do. Because I've kind of grown up a little bit and read scripture, man, there's a lot of questions that people ask in the Bible, right? You ever read the book of Psalm? Over a third of the book. Is considered lament. It's the psalmist is going. Wait a minute. Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Have you forgot about me? Have you run away from me? Have you? And and so we're kind of taking this idea of man. We have a lot of questions about God, a lot of questions about life, a lot of questions about faith. And so, um, having all the experience I have in student ministry over twenty a lot years, um, I decided I would ask students, "What questions do you have?" Now, apparently you don't work with students, um, because you get some pretty interesting things. Honestly, the first question I pull, I have this box in the room, and they're all anonymous. The first question I pull out of the box, and I am not lying, is do dogs go to heaven? And I thought, yes! Thank God for middle school guys, right? Um, Well, yeah, they go to heaven. I mean, mean, there's a movie about it, so... um, (laughs) answer that one for you there you go but i got some other the second question i pulled out i'm not going to tell you what the question was i've i've talked to the person the question was about and we decided there's just some things you just can't explain um but another question i got in all honesty the third question i pulled out and like i'm not lying the first one oh dogs great second one yeah whatever third one why is hayden havard so cool I'm not a miracle worker, okay? I'm just going to tell you. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, and so I thought, wow, this series is going to go really, really great. Um, and then I kind of kept digging, and man, I tell you, there are some incredible questions that people have, just very real questions about God, and about faith, and about life. And so the next next several weeks, we're going to kind of walk through a series of these questions, just just answering for our students just some, some real questions they have. Listen, I, I've kind of learned that there's not really a dumb question. I mean, even the whole dog question, honestly, for somebody, that's real, right? Um, but one of the questions that I get a lot, and I know that Mark gets a lot as we talk with folks, is, is a question that maybe some of you have asked, and, and it's really the question of, listen, I've, or more of a statement maybe, I've asked Jesus in my heart, I know I'm a believer but why am I still struggling with this? Why am I still going through this? Why, why haven't I moved on from this? And, and I, there's a word that I like to use, and it's a, I'm sure it's a real word somewhere. I just haven't found it yet, but I call it our messed upness, right? We all have our own levels of messed upness, and, and I don't know what your messed upness is. I know what mine is, and, but we all have it. It's just these things in our lives, these struggles that we have, these these things that we face that we just can't seem to shake sometimes. But we all have this level of messed upness. And if you have a level of messed upness, just just be okay. You're, you're not alone. Everyone in this room has their own stuff. None of us have got it all figured out. None of us are perfect. We're going to struggle. We're going to stumble. We're going to make bad decisions from time to time. But it's what we do afterwards that really matters. And the question that I get is why do I still struggle? And it's a fair question. And it's a question I've asked myself over the years. There's a passage in the book of John that's a great passage, uh, but it's one of those stories that we've, we've read if you've been in church or you've heard taught. And it's just one of those stories we kind of go, oh, that's neat, nice little thing happening. But in the book of John, there's this, this moment that takes place in John chapter 5. I want to read it to you. Um, it's a lengthy passage, but I want to read it to you. And I want to kind of unpack some things out of it this morning in John 5, it says this Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. Well, one, of the, one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and, and knew that he had been ill for so long, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir. The sick man replied, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Verse 9 says, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. This miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man that was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But then he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd, but, but afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you're well. Stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. But the man went, and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now, let's kind of set the stage for a minute. I want you to kind of get a picture in your head, because honestly, there's sometimes when I read things in Scripture, I, I'm kind of a visual person. I like to kind of see what's happening. And and so Jesus is coming to Jerusalem on the Sabbath. He comes to this pool, Bethesda, inside the city walls. Around this pool, under the cabanas, or porches, cabanas if you want to call them that, are tons of people, but this isn't a pool party. There's nobody just lounging around, catching some rays. The people who are hanging around the pool are all messed up. I mean, it tells us that they're paralyzed, they're lame, and they're blind. They've They've heard that this place is the place they come to find healing. Rumor has it that these waters contain healing powers. So you have these people inside the city gate. They're surrounded by this pool, and they're all hanging out under these porches, waiting for the waters to stir so they can all try to get to the pool. It's interesting that we kind of read this passage, and I don't know if any of you noticed, but there's a verse missing. Anybody catch that? If you if you follow along, um there's no verse 4. It goes from verse 3 to verse 5. And we go, oh, see, it's those modern translations. It's an interesting thing. That passage, that, that verse that is, is missing, it says this, and it's found in the uh, NASB. For an angel of the Lord went down at, a certain sea, in, at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the waters happened, stepped in, was made well, from whatever disease uh, with which they were afflicted. Now, it's interesting that that verse is not in most of our modern-day translations. That verse is found, King James, the NASB, and a couple of the older translations. And so people always look at it and go, wait, did they make a mistake? What's the problem? Sometimes in Scripture, and there are several places in the New Testament where this happens, you might notice in your Bible, the NIV a lot of times will have an asterisk, in place of where that verse is supposed to be, and then it'll tell you at the bottom what it was and, and why it was left out. This verse was left out because really the first time that it appears in the ancient manuscripts is about 500 years after the original manuscript was written. And some scholars believe that it was added later kinda, to kind of flavor the verse a little bit, the, the passage to kind of make people go, oh, look, an angel came down. Um, there's other reasons they didn't put it in some is that uh, one of the other reasons that is given for not including in our modern translations is that um, the the words, the language that were used were not consistent with John and so they kind of go listen not saying it's a bad verse but we're just not 100% sure that it's supposed to be in there so when you're reading it that's why there's no verse 4 and people look at it and go whoa hold on can they not count Um, and so yeah so that's what's happening so That was for free this morning. So um, we go back to the story, and I want you to think about it for a second. The story goes that when the water was troubled or stirred, the first person to make it into the pool was going to be healed. Now, let that picture sink in for just a second. We just read in the verses previous that the people that were around the pool were lame, they were blind, they were paralyzed, right? Um, Think about that. How are they going to get in the pool? I mean, let's be honest. It's kind of like a bad Facebook meme. You kind of look at the picture and you go, ooh, that's really funny, but I can't laugh because I might go to hell except that I'm, I've asked Jesus to my heart. So my mansion probably just shrunk a little bit because I laughed. And that's what's happening here. I mean, that's the picture. Right? I mean, those of you who Facebook, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you have this picture where these people who can't get to the pool are trying to get to the pool, but here's the great part of the story. I mean, it's kind of how fun God is. It's like, hey, first person in, gets healed, the rest of you, pff, sorry. I mean, think about that for a minute. It's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's kind of this weird thing that says, if I can just, if I can just get into that water, Historians tell us now, as they've kind of done more archaeological studies, that the pools were all spring fed. And so, most likely, what was happening when the bubble of the water would bubble up or it would stir, it was coming from the springs as the water was coming down from the mountains. But yet, here's all these people who are hanging out by this pool just waiting for the water to bubble so they can try to beat each other in the pool. aren't we like that sometimes, though? I mean, we're kind of, we kind of want to get well. We kind of want to deal with our messed upness as long as it's relatively easy. I mean, we're okay with, like, I'm okay trying to get better as long as it doesn't require much of me, right? And that's what's happening in this picture. I mean, you, you have all these people surrounding this pool who you presume want to get well, yet... They've kind of bought into this, this tale that, man, if, you just, if you're the first one in, you're going to be okay. I mean, that's what's happening in this story. These people who are hanging out by this pool. But, but enter Jesus for just a minute. Jesus approached this man who was, had been dealing with his brokenness for 38 years. As he was lying next to the healing pool, presumably so he could get well, Jesus asked a question that at first glance we kind of look at the question and kind of go, really? Jesus looks at the guy and says, do you want to get well? I mean, on, on the surface, it's, you would think, ah, it's kind of a goofy question. I mean, I'm hanging out by the pool, I'm trying to beat everybody else into the pool, so yeah, I want to get well. But Jesus looks at him, and he asks the question, do, do you want to get well? Now, some of you who know me know that I have a sarcastic bent at times. Yeah, what? <laughs> who just said that, right? I mean, it's a gift. We all don't possess it. I know you're jealous, right? But when I read Scripture, I kind of read it with a sarcastic inner voice in my head, and sometimes that's not good, um, But in this case, I think it is. Because (laughs) as I'm reading this passage, I'm thinking I'm trying to put myself in this man's shoes who's been ill for 38 years, who's hanging out by the healing pool because I want to try to beat everybody else who can't walk into the pool. And here's this guy. He comes up to me, and he says, hey, do you want to get well? My response probably wouldn't have been very good. I've been here 38 years. Really? I mean, I've been hanging out here. I've been dealing, you, and you're going to ask me if I want to get well. Really? That's what you're going to ask? But boy, I tell you what, man. In dealing with people for as long as I have in ministry, it's always interesting because it's a question I ask all the time. Do You want to get well? And people have the same response that I would have had here. They kind of look at you like, well, that's a dumb question to ask. Listen, being healed changes everything. Sometimes our healing comes with a price tag. The question then becomes, are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to do what it takes? The man's reply is very interesting to me because he doesn't respond yes. A lot of times we just go, well, of course he said yeah." That's not what he said. Look at, look at what he said. I can't, the sick man replied, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to get well? His response is, I can't. It's, it's everybody else's fault that I can't, but I can't. You ever notice that in that story? We kind of read it like he said, oh, absolutely, I want to be healed, but he didn't. I I, I mean, we we look at this this guy, and, and Jesus didn't wait for him to figure it out. He didn't wait for this guy to have this just unshakable faith at all. The guy's just making excuses as to why he's not better, and that fascinates me. Because it says to me that Jesus just decided today he was going to get well, whether he wanted to or not. I mean, Jesus decided that at that moment, I'm going to give you what you may not even really want. Listen, I I don't know what what your messed upness is. See, the story is, is about physical healing, but really it's about so, so much more than that. See, the struggle that most of us face isn't that we need physical healing. Even if we have physical issues, the struggle that we face isn't that physical issue a lot of times. It's the emotional and spiritual pain that comes along with that. I mean, the reality is I know that when I get sick, that there's, a, there's probably a doctor, there's probably a pill I can take to fix it. There's a surgery I might have to undergo to get better so it's not the physical that bothers me the most at times, it's the emotional and spiritual stuff that comes along with it. That's a lot harder to deal with sometimes in the physical. And so for a lot of us, it's not that we're sitting here going, I had this great physical need that I need God to heal me from. Although you may have a physical need, what's really happening is coming more from the inside. Maybe, maybe your messed upness is... is Man, it's, maybe it's a sin you continue to struggle with. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's you live in constant state of depression. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. I, I don't know what it is. But here's the deal. If you're God's kid, you have to step back and you have to ask yourself, why am I still living with this? And, and listen, I've, I've said things like this before, and I always get emailed, so make sure you send them to mark at cwbc.org. He does that to me all the time. Um. Here's the deal. You may look at me and go, you have no idea what my struggle is. And that's true. You have no idea what my struggles are. But here's one of the things I've kind of figured out. God's a pretty big God. And God looks at this paralyzed man who's been dealing with this issue for 38 years. And he says, do you want to get well? And the guy makes every excuse in the world why he can't get well. Here's one of the things that's different between us and the man that was hanging out by the pool. In Ephesians 1, it says this, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we could praise and glorify him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that He has given to to those He called, His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In 2 Peter, it says that by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Listen, here's a thing that we have that the man standing by the, sitting by the pool didn't have. If you're God's kid, you have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. The scripture teaches us that that's the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. My messed upness isn't bigger than raising somebody from the dead. I mean, it may seem that way at times, but the reality, It's not. It's not. But you don't understand. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to understand. I just know what Scripture teaches. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you're God's kid, you're God's kid. It's not like some people get that power and others of us don't. It's, you're his kid, you're his kid. It, it tells us in 2 in Peter that we have everything we need for living a godly life. Everything we need. That means that everything, I think, means everything. I, I think it means we lack nothing. But here's kind of the crazy part of the story to me. And it's kind of the crazy part of what I do. And believe it or not, there are some people who just don't want to get well. They just don't. Um, as I get a little bit older, i um, I have more and more medicines I take, because um, I've discovered there's a pill for just about everything, and um, I, I have, like, a few medications I take, and, and I have a crack medical team, right? How many of you got a medical team? You got, got doctors, <laughs> right? It's like, I've moved past doctor, I've got doctors, <laughs> right? And so, like, I've got I've got my primary care physician, who, who I really enjoy, because he's as sarcastic as, well, probably more than me, um, and then uh, I see Doctor Doctor Kevin. He he makes sure my heart keeps ticking, and then I got a chiropractor who'll just like jerk me around and, and fix things. But here's one thing that's pretty common with all three of my doctors. Um, they're all pretty honest with me at times. Sometimes more honest than I'd care. Um, one of my physicians uh, enjoys when I come in and we do the whole weight thing. Um, I've got one doctor that I would loosely call a friend who tells me I'm fat. Um, is that the medical term? No, but you're just fat. <laughs> or you're just bald. So, um. <laughs> then he reminds me of being bald can't kill you. Oh, you got me on that one. Thank you. Um, so, I have these doctors and they all say, listen, you, you got to get healthier, right? I mean, you just have to, right, I always, when I used to ride a motorcycle, everybody was like, oh, you got to be careful, and I kept going, I'm not going to die on a motorcycle, it's going to be at a buffet, I just, I'm telling you, it's where it's going to happen, so, don't have to worry about that, it, it's so, but they tell me the same thing, every, I, I go for my yearly checkup, and the same thing, hey, you need to lose some weight, and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting right on that one, um, you, you got to eat healthy. You need, you need to exercise. But, but listen, I do what everybody else does. Hey, isn't there like some drink I can drink that'll take it all off like in two days? Right? Like I got a doctor's appointment coming up in April and I'm trying to figure out, okay, so how can I lose weight between now and the time I go in so that I can go see I've, I've lost weight? Um, I'm looking for this magic pill to take, right? I mean, and we all do it. I mean, we spend so much money on diet stuff. It's crazy. Listen, I've had a membership to Live Well Athletic Club for 16 years. And this is what it gets you, right? I mean, <laughs> I've, I've, listen, hey, I've, I've been there <laughs> 16 times in 16 years, right? <laughs> hey, going once a year is not working for me. I, and, and my wife keeps telling me, we just need to save the money. And I'm like, no, because I got a good deal. <laughs> and there's something in me that says if I ever tell them to quit drafting out of my checking account every month, I'll never go. <laughs> I don't go. I mean, here's, here's the crazy thing. Every one of my doctors, even my chiropractor, I'm like, why do you care if I'm fat? It doesn't matter. Just crack my back, right? I mean, everyone of them say the same thing. you got to get healthy. You, you, and here's how you get healthy. You don't go on a fad diet. You just, you just exercise regular and you eat healthier. I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's pretty simple. I know how to get healthy. I do. I really, honestly, I used to work out all the time. I used to love working out, and then I turned 19, and I decided I didn't want to anymore. <laughs> but here's the deal. I know, listen, I know how to get healthy. We all know how to get healthy, and it's not a pill, and it's not drinking a magical shake or spending 300 bucks a month on whatever. This is pretty simple. you you eat healthy and you exercise, and it's, it's really that easy. But as much as I tell all of my doctors, yeah, I want to I get healthy, they all look at me when I come in the next time and I haven't lost any weight, and that really tells them what I want, right? I mean, it really, really says to my doctors, yeah, I guess he wants some more pills to take because he's not taking the weight off, right? Because if I really wanted to get healthy, the reality is I know exactly how to do it. I just, I kind of like being chubby and slow and everything hurting. I mean, it's just, because if I really wanted to get well, I'd get well. I mean, there's a lot of people who are just like that. And and it used to kind of shock me when people would come in and talk to me, and they would tell me how messed up things were, and, the bad decisions they were making, and and you kind of look at them and you go, well, "What do you want me to tell you?" Yeah, your life's really messed up. I mean, the number of people that look at you or look at me at times and go, "But I'm I'm okay living this way," and I sit back and I go, "Oh, wait a minute, you're you're okay doing that?" Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I don't, I. I don't want to fix it. And honestly, as a pastor, you kind of go, man, thanks for your honesty. At least you're being honest. Then let's not waste each other's time because it doesn't matter how many times you come and sit down in my office and and cry to me and tell me how messed up life is. If you don't want to get well, you're not going to get well because what you do when you leave my office tells me everything that I need to know. And listen, this story and there's a lot of reasons that people don't want to get well. Sometimes it's their messed upness, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, it's, it's come to define who they are. And they don't help with their problems, they just want to kind of make themselves feel better for a little bit, and then kind of move on with life. They're used to living in this, on the sympathy and pity of others, and, and sometimes they run from assuming responsibility for their own lives, and Sometimes they're afraid that, I mean, if they get well, that nobody will pay attention to them anymore. Or they just simply believe that they are so messed up that even God can't change them. But listen, notice that Jesus doesn't wait for this guy to figure it out or exhibit this great unshakable faith. In verse 8, Jesus just simply looks at him. He says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Just get up. Take your mat and go said, standing right in front of this man was God in the flesh. And and Jesus, and he was telling him to stand up, pick up his mat, and walk. John tells us that instantly the man was healed. Not because he figured it out, not because he worked it out, not because he made it to the pool, but because Jesus said, get up. see, what happens next is to me the most telling part, maybe the most important and overlooked part of this entire narrative. John tells us he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Jesus looked at him and said, get up, take up your mat, and go. And what does the guy do? He rolls his mat up, and he goes. That's curious. Because he got up, and he went. Listen, for me, I think a lot of times, I know that God can save me, and I know that God can do the things that he says that he can do, But there's sometimes God looks at me and says, get up, and I go, I'm okay, I'm good. Because getting up requires me to do something. Salvation is about faith. It is about God's grace, period. But there are moments in our lives where God looks at us and says, you've been healed, you need to get up and go. We just kind of stay on our mat, and We just sit there. And then we wonder why God's not working in our lives. I tell our students a lot that it amazes me how many people want to walk with God, but not really walk with God, right? You know what I'm saying? They, they want to walk with God, but they, they don't want to spend time with him. They don't want to spend time in his word. They don't want to spend time in prayer, but I want to walk with God. Well, if you want to walk with God, you've got to walk with God. And Jesus says to this man, you've got to get up. You, you've, got to, you've got to take your mat, and you've got to go. Listen, um, I don't know what your messed upness is in your life. I really don't. But it really doesn't matter what your messed upness is. If you're God's kid, you have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. The same spirit raised God that raised us from the dead. You have everything you need to live a godly life. And so there's no qualifiers on that. It doesn't say you have everything you need if this is your problem, or you have the same spirit that raised the from the dead that lives inside of you if you have this issue. It, the, the reality is, you have everything you need. I have everything that I need. When people say to me, I tried God, he didn't work, I'm kind of like, "Yeah, you didn't try it right. Listen, don't, don't be mistaken. Scripture never says that when you, you surrender your life to God that everything goes hunky-dory, Right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that when you walk with God that everything's just going to be great. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that all your problems are going to be solved. It doesn't say that at all. And I'm not saying that when you decide to get up and pick up your mat, that you're not going to have moments of fear and doubt and moments of depression and moments of anxiety because that's life. But it's in those moments of struggle that something in us has to well up and go, wait a minute. I'm bigger than whatever this is. And you either have to trust me or stay on the mat. But if you stay on the mat, it's not because God hasn't given you everything you need. It's because we choose to stay on the mat. So this morning, if you're stuck, understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him, the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. If you're stuck, Remember that God has given you everything you need for godly living. And in case you forgot, the moment you became his kid, you became a brand new person. The old life is gone. This new life has come. So, so what's there between you and the man lying by the pool of Bethesda? He got up and he moved. Because the same power that raised Jesus from dead lives in you. Get up and move. You have everything you need, so get up and move. You're a new person. Get up and move. But it's interesting that once this man got up and moved, people took notice, especially the Jews, because they said, listen, this this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry your sleeping mat. But notice what he says this time. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't try to get out of it. He just simply says, hey, some dude told me to get up and take my mat and walk. I took my mat and I walked. Because at some point, when you begin to realize and you get off your mat, because God's giving you what you need, you get off your mat, you roll it up and you start walking, all of a sudden you realize that God's bigger than whatever is going on in your life, no matter what's happening around you. And all of a sudden, you don't really care so much what everybody else thinks. You just want to walk with God because He told you to get up. And you can and listen, um, life is interesting, and, um, and stuff happens in life. And I've kind of found out, and some of you know this better than me, that, that most of the time, the plans that I have don't really work out that well. Um, God usually has a different direction that he wants me to go sometimes. But one of the things I've kind of figured out um, over time is that when I'm feeling anxious when I'm fearing whatever it is I'm facing, when I'm questioning, I'm having doubts, oftentimes the cure for me is just to get up and keep moving. Because God's big enough to deal with whatever i got to deal with. And if I just simply listen and trust Him, it's pretty amazing what happens. And so this morning, as we kind of we wrap up our time, and, and please take note... I told Chad, I did tell Chad, listen, you can be all assembly God today. I mean, like, you can, like, go into, like, this, you want to vamp ten times on a course, you want to do whatever, man, go for it, and he didn't. (laughs) So you're getting out early. Um. (laughs) 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 What? Listen, I mean, whatever you're going through, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's tough, and life is hard at times. And man, there are ups and downs, even when you're trying to do everything you can to walk with God. It's his life. But get up, take your mat, and go. He's big enough to deal with it. He's big enough to help you through it all, no matter how difficult it is. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your goodness and your mercy. God, I thank you that you look at all of us and you tell us to get up and go. The the, God, the fascinating thing to me about this whole story is here's this man who's dealt with this issue for 38 years. You ask him if he wants to get well, he starts making excuses and you look at him anyway and say, get up, take your mat and go. And his immediate response was to get up Roll his mat up and go. Because you can do whatever you want to do. But God, I thank you that that as your kids, your word tells us that we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. It's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And that's the same Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in us through that Spirit. And God, I know at times that life seems overwhelming and our circumstances seem insurmountable, but the reality is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us through the Holy Spirit. God, don't ever let us forget that. Don't ever let us forget that no matter how big the situation we might be facing is, that your Word tells us we have everything that we need for godly living. And God, just remind us that at times we just simply need to get up and walk. And not stay there. And then blame you while things aren't working out. God, you've, you've given us everything. And I pray we would start living in that and walking in that every single day. God, we love you. And God, we're so incredibly grateful for your grace and your mercy that you show us every single day. And God, even, even when we choose to sit there and not walk, God, it doesn't change your love for us one bit. And we're grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. All right, Bible still start in about forty five minutes. So <laughs>